Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings. Joining me today on the show is owner and operator of Wild Rose Kennels, Mike Stewart. Mike, welcome back to the DU Podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. Now, in, with this show, we wanted to kind of kick off our, uh, you know, retriever training conversations uh, with something that is that we've talked about before you and I have. But it's these are the most common corrections that retriever trainers have to make with their dogs following duck season. The bad habits that can be learned during duck season uh, need to be corrected. Um, at this time of year, you know, when you're not in season now, you're fully focused on training. Um, and we've got several of these that we can list through, but, but these are really the most common ones. And the first one, Mike, um, is steadiness. And we basically breaking on the shot or breaking on live birds. Um, this is a, a terribly bad habit. It's unsafe, you know, for everyone involved. And, 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 you know, and it is an issue, you know, I hunt with people who have dogs who break, you know, throughout the season and sometimes it just gets worse and worse and worse. Now's the time to fix it. How are you going to approach and how are you going to explain to a dog owner how they should approach fixing steadiness during the off season? First, I just want to touch on a mindset. Everybody's always down this time of year. Uh, hunting season is closed. No more game. It's a long time till the fall. Actually, you're in preseason training. It's, it's the start of the season. So there's a lot of things to work on. Uh, I would call them refinements uh, to get the dog back into shape pre- preseason. So we're really in the preseason training, not post. So that's really a mindset. And steadiness is one of them. What happens during the season a lot, especially if you have a really good season, the dog gets a lot of independent action. The birds are going down. He's, we send the dogs too fast. There's not a lot of opportunity to steady the dog. It's about game recovery, not lo- wanting to lose a bird. Uh, waterfowling, you see it quite a bit. Three birds down. You got to pick them fast. Wind's blowing. You don't have a lot of time to, to, to offer denials and delays in your retrieves. Pheasant hunting on wild pheasants, you, pop that bird and that you see those legs go down and those birds will run. They hit the ground running. And if you don't put your dog on the bird fast, you're liable going to lose it. And of course, that's what retriever's job is, is game recovery. So I realized we send the dogs far too fast. And now we found a situation that they're basically you pull the trigger, the dog's going to even snap the safety off and the dog's gone. Uh, you know, they're downrange ready to make that game recovery. So we have to go back and refine that. So the question is how? We have the three D's of steadiness, deny, delay, and diversions. So we're going to practice all those, this postseason, preseason tune-ups. We're going to get offer a lot of denials. We're going to walk along, throw bumpers. Nope, no, doesn't get that. Walk out and pick it up itself. We'll do some uh, short bird, long bird retrieves. We'll put out a memory, for instance, drop it in the grass across the water, go back, get on the other side of the pond, throw a short one in the water and send them for the long one. And then we don't let them have that short one. We could either walk around the lake and pick it from the other side or allow another dog to do it, which is called honoring. So not every bird is theirs. Every bumper down this, uh, this spring and summer is not the dogs. You're going to offer a lot of denials. A delay is... We're using our 
memory retrieves versus marks to build in delays. We placed several bumpers out, for instance, and created time delay before it, before we send the dog back. So we may put two to three bumpers out in a circle memory, circle back around. The bumpers are in cover or wood line, maybe the edge of a uh, water source. And then we delay. We sit there, wait, let the dog get extremely calm, and then we pick the oldest bird to the newest bird. The shortest bird is the one that we're going to deny. The longest birds are the one we want. Those are the ones that are likely going to need to be recovered first. So we work on that in our training is not sending a dog quite so fast as that you would maybe practice in March or you fire the launcher and immediately send them, run memories, place them, build some time in between you putting the bumper out or the cold game out and you actually releasing the dog for that recovery. So that is a delay. Diversions, you have a short bird, long bird routines. To short birds, you pick them up yourself. The dog is coming back from a retrieve. We fire another launcher or toss a bird. You deny that one. You either go get it yourself or allow another dog to pick the bird up. So these short bird, long bird, and delay routines uh, will really put that steadiness back in your dog preseason. Yeah, and that, you kind of touched on it, but I was just getting ready to ask. So, um, you know, you, we've discussed honoring you know, where you're sending another dog. Um, but, you know, I was just sitting there thinking while you were talking is, is how do you teach honoring if you don't have another dog? But I guess, like you said, you take it upon yourself. You go and get that bumper yourself so that the dog still, you know, has that, that mindset is, am I correct? And that's kind of what you explained. Right. You know, we, we want to work on honor. We've got to find a, a buddy to come over and train sort of the similar to we do that we do and we're going to work together during the summer spring summer months and what you want to work on is double dog i really like this routine i'll explain this one first you put a couple of bumpers out and you send the first dog when the first dog picks and is on his way back send the second dog you need these dogs working independent and so these dogs are honoring each other now if we put out uh, a denial for instance and we don't want the dog to have it there's only two ways to pick that up well, three ways. One is you have another dog pick it up. Well, you don't have another dog, okay? The second way to do it is you walk out and get it yourself. Throw it in shallow water. That can make the splash. Or you could uh, you could walk out and get the If it's on the ground, that's not a problem at all. Walk out and get it yourself. The other routine we'll do is we're alone. As I was, And I train a lot alone in Colorado. I'm, I'm by myself. It's the only trainer out there. I'll set up a memory across the river on the, on the water, and I'll pick up a rock, have it in my pocket, or not in my pocket, but my game bag. Then I make a circle around. The dog remembers that, that, uh, bumper across the river. I'll send the dog and then I'll throw the, the rock and it makes a big splash, but there's nothing to retrieve and hand them off out. And then there's nothing for you to go back and get. Or the third way you could do it is you could toss the bumper in the water is your short bird. Send for the long bird. The dog recovers the long bird, returns. Simply walk around the lake to the other side and pick your diversion, your original diversion, becomes a circle memory. So you built a time delay in. So basically you're, you're doing a delay now and just pick it up that way. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great way to do it. Um, and, and you talked about that as being something, you know, one of the common mistakes um, or common uh, issues that dogs come up with during duck season is honoring. Um, and can you kind of explain that, like how that bad habit is created? Um, and then also how, you know, using these tactics to fix that bad habit. Well, when we talk about honoring, we means that the dog will sit steady and quiet and honor the retrieve of another dog. 
Now, what does that entail? There is no scuffling over the bird. There's no chasing the other dog. There's no whining or barking or making any squeaking noises while the other dog retrieves. That's honoring. So we'll define what it is first. So off season, one of the things we don't want to do is let the dog, if we have a couple of dogs, we'll have them playing together or going to the dog park, chasing each other for exercise. Well, that's not reinforcing what we're looking for. So by practicing our art and you've got your buddy comes over and one dog gets a retrieve. When he comes back, the other one gets a retrieve. And you need to remember that dogs work for, they work for reward. What is the reward? Well, the reward for a retriever is to get to retrieve something. So remember to reinforce and put a value on the steadiness. So if your dog sits really steady while another dog makes a retrieve on a hunt or in training, reach down and pet the dog. Good boy, good boy. Really reward that dog that that's valuable. Put a, put a, put a value on that steadiness, that quiet behavior. Yeah, that's good. And you know, and this kind of leads into the, the, uh, the next, um, issue that, that needs to be fixed sometimes, um, self hunts. And this is basically when the dog, you know, a lot of times during duck season, you know, dogs have really gotten accustomed, you know, lots of retrieves. They're, they're, they feel comfortable in what they're doing in the whole situation. And a lot of times dogs decide to basically take their own direction and, and, that can lead to several different issues, but this bad habit is something that that typically comes out of, like you said, if you had a good duck season, the dog's getting lots of retrieves. Um, but how can you slow down and correct this self-hunting? It usually gets started, as you mentioned, as a dog becomes self-employed out there. He's on his, in, he's on his independent uh, activity, and he gets out there. You blow the whistle a few times, try to get his attention. He keeps hunting, hunting. And then he's successful. He finds the bird. Finally, you're just the guy that drives him around and shoots the bird. He's going to get it. He's not near, not nearly as interested in you as if you can put him on the bird and so he sees you as a partner. So that's the kind of the relationship we want to build and what the type of training activities we're going to do. The dog is going to have to become self-reliant and get on you. So we're going to shorten up the retrieves. We're going to build in one of the things we'll do is a lot of time delay memories. We'll put out memories and maybe not come back to pick those up for 30 minutes. And so the dog's not quite sure where they are. The second thing we'll do is move them with an assistant or a buddy over training, a member of your family, walk out in a cover, say a grass field, and toss in a bumper. Turn around and walk away with the dog at heel. The dog's going with you. He's paying attention to you. You're your helper runs in, grabs that bumper, and tosses it to another location. You send that dog in. He's got He knows exactly where it is. You're targeting him. He shoots back into that cover, hunt, 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 hunt. Hit that stop whistle. If he doesn't stop, he's not finding anything. So we're going to hit that stop whistle a couple of times. If he doesn't, you're going to go out there, get him to stop, grab him by that collar, shake him a bet, tell him you're going to stop. Peep, blow that whistle, walk back, and then cast him to the fight, and all of a sudden, you're the smartest guy in the room. Wait a minute. I thought the bird was here, but you knew where it was. So that's a that's a cool little trick that works. The other one we'll do is what I call the hunt, stop, hunt, stop, hunt, stop. We will toss in a bumper into a, a, a bit of cover. And this couldn't work at a pond's edge, too. Let's say you've got some really good willows and some grass growing up, uh, water grass growing up. It'll, it'll work fine. Toss in the bumper. Have this, you walk away, the dog's paying attention to you, not watching your helper. He comes in and picks it up. It's not there anymore. 
I want to get three clean stops to the whistle before he finds anything. So if he finally stops, I put him back to hunting. I stop again, put him back to hunting. Third stop, put him back to hunting. When he's not looking, the assistant tosses it back in. He finds it. All of a sudden, he's not going to find anything if he doesn't stop to that whistle. Again, you become the smartest guy in the room. You can do this in a water's edge. We filmed this for DUTV a couple of times with Deke and Drake. I'll have a system across the lake, and I'll toss in a bumper to the far side. Of maybe not, it's not very wide. I'll say a lake, a little channel. Splashes on the other side. Big, big uh, uh, duck, for instance, a nice frozen duck, or a, a big uh, waterfowl dummy that makes a big splash. I turn and walk away. The assistant runs in, picks that rascal up, and runs down the bank and drops it at another location. I send the mature dog back, and he knows where it is. He's confident where it is, but it's not there anymore. I get about two good stops at that location, and I cast him up or down the bank, and he finds it along that bank's edge where I know it is, and he doesn't. All those are building the interdependence, not dependence, but interdependence with you, a teamwork. I'm looking at the handler to help me become successful if I'm the dog. Yeah. And it just seems like, you know, with that, he, you're, you're building confidence or you're building co- his confidence in you. Um, uh, so that, you know, he's not, like you said, I think that's a good way to, uh, good way to phrase it. The dog is basically self-employed himself and he's going to go and find it. And he thinks he knows exactly where it is. But with both of those training tactics, you're really, you're really building that dog's confidence in, in you to know where it is better than, than him. Um, I think that that's a, that's a pretty cool, pretty cool little way to approach it. All those are the uh, little routines that we run in spring and summer to tune that dog back up, to get them working with us back on the whistle and taking those hand signals. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a good transition. Cause that's, that's kind of my next one is, um, you know, hand signals and focus, you know, as, as the season progresses, sometimes these, you know, sometimes these dogs and some of these tactics, some of these training tactics may be very similar, um, getting the dog to refocus, but is there any other little, little tips and, and training methods that you use, uh, that will get the dog to refocus on these hand signals? Well, yes, there's. One of the things, the conditions I think is that maybe we're starting as dogs on our postseason, uh, coming off the postseason, the dog's not handling well. We're still trying to handle it long distances. I'm going to shorten things up. We're going to go back more to the basics. It's like old Vince Lombardi says, my dog, my, I said, my dogs, my players don't know a few things, but they know a few things very well. And that's what I want my dog to do. I don't necessarily need them to know a whole gamut of, but I want them to know a few things extremely well. So I'm going to shorten things back up. I'm going to get my hand signals cleaned up on the basic drills, like the walking baseball, walking baseball extensions. All those are in our book, retriever training for uh, sporting dog retriever training, the wildest way. You can pull those up online on uklife.com. I've got loads of drills for you to do, but instead of trying to run those drills way across water or way across a long land, I'm going to move the skills off the water back to the land. Refine them on the land, get them smoothed up, move them to the water, smooth them up on the water, such as switching on doubles. Can you put out two bumpers, walk around the pond, send them for one, stop and handle them to the other. That's called a switching on doubles. If you won't do it on the water, unless you're real fond of swimming, you're going to have to refine it on the land. Everything's refined on the land before we move it to the water. So that's one tip. Keep it short. Keep it close to you and keep it on the ground before you move it back to the water. 
If you want to practice flooded timber, for instance, how do you practice flooded timber? Quite simply, go to the woods, go to a hardwood, open, open hardwood and start running your drills in that open hardwood, then transfer it to your water sources because it's very hard to correct the dog, very hard to get them to stop, hunt where you want them to hunt when you're not out in that water with them. So you can do it on the ground. So we'll do it in grass fields, we'll do it on open ground, we'll do it on plowed ground, and we'll move it to the really nice open hardwoods, excellent for that, to duplicate flooded timber. Then you transfer it to the water. Yeah, it's really hard to to duplicate that flooded timber, um, especially during the off season. Um, but you know, that's a that's a very good tip. That's a strong I, I really like that, that you're basically doing everything on land. Um, when I think a lot of trainers immediately, a lot of dog owners immediately think they have to go to the water, um, throwing bumpers into the water, you know, going to the local pond where I think that's a good, a good tip that you bring out is, is really do everything on land. It's a lot easier to handle the dog too. Um, and, and control the situation. Like you said, you know, if, if, if the dog for some reason does not want to retrieve the bumper that you just threw into the lake, you're going to be swimming for it if you want to get that bumper back. The uh, the Wild Rose way is to refine or teach any skill on land first, transfer it to the water, and refine any skill on land before going to the water. So if you want to teach water stands, working a dog off water stands or any type of dog hide, teach it on land first and then transfer it to your water source. If you want to get a dog working out of a boat, we have our boat on solid ground. Get him working in and out of the boat. We move it to shallow water. Get him working out of the shallow waters, deeper and deeper and deeper until you have him working in the boat. Everything is progressive from land to water. Yeah, and everything has a step. There's, you know, once they, once they, you know, can accomplish that, um, you know, from land, it, it seems that they're, they're already going to know before you introduce this water. And it's, uh, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a good tip for people to remember something for people to, uh, keep in mind as they, as they start, you know, making some, some changes or having some expectation that, that the dog's going to know how to do this. Um, definitely do it all on land. That's, that's a good one. You know, one of the other common mistakes that, um, that dogs start making during, uh, during duck season is stopping hunting. Um, and I know this sounds a little counter, uh, you know, to exactly what they're doing at the time, but they, they're so used to seeing the birds are so used to making these retrieves one after the other. Um, but they stop using their nose to find down birds. They're really relying on that, you know, being able to market visually because they're sitting maybe, you know, in a boat where they can see. Um, and then they, they decide to not use their nose to find these birds and it can really become an issue and you can lose a lot of birds this way. Um, how are you correcting something like this? We use a lot of scent. Uh, we have taken our frozen birds, cold game. We take the wings off the birds that we take. Uh, freeze them, pull them out, and take them to our bumpers, or we put out cold game. And then we also uh, try to teach our clients to work the wind. Uh, which way is the wind moving? You know, so a lot of guys never consider that, and they don't put the dog in the right location. So we do put the hang uh, bumpers and cold game in, in bushes and up on top of brush piles and all different places where a bird may not even be on the ground. And the dog's never been taught to wind, lift its head and wind the uh, up. Uh, if your dog falls on top of a beaver dam or over on top of a levee, he's not likely going to pick it. So you're going to run to practice all these thinning skills. And again, start close and work back. So we're going to go longer and longer during our off-season training and in preparation to send the dog farther and farther back where you can stop him, 
Let's go back to uh, a couple of the tips. Put a bumper out, heel back up the heels, have an assistant walk in, pick that bumper up, toss it over to the other side of a lane, send the dog back, let him hunt a moment or two. Give them some time to see if they can find, make progress, and they hit that whistle. You hold the dog's attention three to four seconds, and then cast the dog. So when you cast him, you're casting him into the wind. He's going to pick that scent up. And again, he's going to make that fine. So that's how we're going to get that dog hunting. First, very close in on high grass, in timber, and then we're going to move it to the water's edge along the marshy grasses and uh, anything that you can find. It has um, places that are safe because I know there's snakes out in a lot of parts of the country. But anything that is safe and has been checked out really well, put that dog in those marshes to get him using those nose because it's the nose nose, and that's what these dogs are about. What we're looking for in waterfowling and upland uh, hunting dogs, gun dogs, is game recovery. It's about getting that bird back, not precision handling, uh, not trying to challenge the blind. If you're running an unseen or a blind, you put that dog down wind, let it hit, hit it when he's in that, in that scent cone and cast him into the wind. He's going to find that bird and really helps him get it, get it straightened out. Another thing that people can do is and when t- take all three of these together, honor steady, handling and hunting cover, uh, and hunting, uh, for game recovery is put them together on a clay course. If you're a member of a clay shooting course, you can go out and work your dog on those courses. We just completed a, a series called the Tactical Retriever Series, where each participant shot over a case of shells over three days where their dog's in the field. And I had blinds out, feathered bumpers out, launcher marks, all kinds of hunting situations from upland to duck blinds to lay down blinds to water stands to dog hides, decoys, the whole thing. So off season, you can practice hunting situations just using a clay floor. Oh, I don't have a clay floor. You can go down to the sporting goods store and buy a hand floor for eight dollars and a box of clays and you're in business. They all see those clays fly, shotguns are going off, blowing calls, uh, put out your flags, put your robo ducks out and duplicate that hunting situation. Hide you some bumpers around, get that dog handling with that intensity of the shot, the fall, uh, calls and flags and dabblers and babblers. You can duplicate that off season. Yeah. And that's one thing, you know, I, I always remember visiting your, kennel in oxford that they uh you know that there was always decoys out and that's you know that's something that you know a lot of trainers kind of forget they go out to these fields and they're um you know training but you know it's very easy to throw out some decoys uh in a field and let the dogs work around the decoys and and just in the field not even having to worry about underwater uh, but it also gets the dog accustomed to uh, being around the basically the essence of you know, waterfowl hunting, you know, the scenarios that they're going to eventually see. Um, and, and that's all part of, I think we did last year, we did an introduction show where we talked about introducing some of these things. So uh, that's a, that's a good tip for people to keep, keep in mind for this spring. We just filmed a series for uh limited TV that'll start this summer and you may pick it up as well. And we created absolute chaos and filmed it and it would give you a lot of we had flags and dabblers and babblers and four dogs running simultaneously and each one of them had a different spot to work from a brush pile a dog hide lying under a goose uh, a big goose shell he was hidden in the field all kinds of different things 
the first time your dog sees these types of activities should not be opening day at sunrise. You can practice these all season and create these cool little fun situations with you and your friends and get the dog used to handling those situations. So once you refine your stop and whistles, your walking baseball, your hunt your cover, the hunt stop hunt that we mentioned, amp it up. Put some decoys out, put some spinners out, shoot a few clays, and uh, put some intensity in there. Put a little chaos in it and see how the dog performs. Yeah, that's great. You know, that's a that's a perfect idea for people to – and you get to play with all your uh, duck hunting gear during the offseason. You know, I'm, I'm a big gear guy, so anytime you can get decoys out and clays and, you know, any of that, I'm, I'm all down for those types of uh, training scenarios for sure. Um, you know, one thing that, that you are, are a big proponent of, and, and most, you know, professional trainers are, um, but something that your average, you know, retriever owner may miss out on here and something that they really need to keep in mind going into what you're basically saying is preseason training, not necessarily postseason, but following duck season, um, people tend to let their dog lay around, not get, not be near as active. And one thing that people should really keep in mind is the conditioning of the dog. And this is something that this time of year is when you really you know, you shouldn't be taking your foot off the gas here. You know, the conditioning of your retriever should be a year round thing. So kind of explain, um, how you would recommend to people to get their dog from, you know, who may have been laying around a little bit. Uh, do you have any kind of tips to get that dog back into shape? I absolutely do. And you're quite right. It's important to keep them in physically, physically in shape, keep the weight off of them, keep the muscles moving, keep them engaged, just like you work out. You don't stop in the summer. Off season, uh, and also mentally engaged, thinking, learning, uh, having new experiences, keep that, that dog's mind engaged. Well, of course, we're going to be giving them a routine of exercise. You have to be careful about the heat, especially in the south and heat exhaustion. So you're going to do a lot of swimming if it's midday or doing some early morning training is what we like to do. So watch about the heat and keep what you're, keep that dog's physically agile, keeping him moving, keeping him running. But you may have to shorten the distance of your retrieves. You can't do maybe 300 yard retrieves. You can maybe shorten them up to a few 15 to 25 yard retrieves and get more of them. And then you can use a lot of water and you can use early morning training. Uh, that's especially at our kennels in Wilders, Texas. Uh, they face that. They start really, really early in the morning and by midday they're finished, uh, because just because of the heat, uh, humidity and so on. Our second consideration is weight. Uh, our friends at Pro Planet Perina did a lot of really valuable research on nutrition and a lot of guys and myself included used to change our mixture of dog food. Uh, from the, the protein fat content all season. They found that was really ineffective. It takes about 12 weeks for the, the dog's metabolism to adjust to a new accommodation of dog food that they're, that they're actually ingesting. So what you want to do is actually go down on the amount of the dog food, not change the particular mixture. Let's say you're feeding ProPlan 3020 Sport. That's a really good feed, food during the uh, season because it has a, a good bit of fat in it, and that's what keeps it all. That's what keeps his energy level up. Not the protein; it's the fat that that he's burning. That's his. That's the gas. That's the diesel fuel. Mm-hmm. But in the summertime, if one of these short retrieves, he's inside an air conditioning. Guess what? He's going to gain weight on that dog. But instead of switching it to a twenty six sixteen, which is a great dog food, but it's going to take him a long time to adjust to it. 
And then we got to readjust them on the backside in August of September to get them back up, back in the season. Just decrease the amount. Just decrease the amount. Don't change the food. Then keeping the dog mentally stimulated, again, all the things we've already talked about in this program are valuable for that. Keeping the dog thinking, keeping the dog working for you, problem solving, giving them things to figure out, uh, agility. Uh, go, you can go down to the park and find all kinds of little agilities at the kitty park, things for them to go over and crawl through, more things to condition the dog to problem solve. Create a dog that's not just a, a machine that's responding to something, but really analyzes things and can really solve problems for yeah, that's awesome. That's a that's a good tip. You know, some of the, the local parks, there's little playgrounds and things like that that you can do some really interesting agility training at those things. You know, running up and down little uh, hops and and being able to, like you said, really think through some of these situations. Which kind of leads me to uh, a last thing here that you know, as part of conditioning, one thing that you always stress is you know conditioning. You know, you get get that in your mind. It's kind of like people on a treadmill. You know, it's pretty boring to just run on a treadmill. Um, and just having a dog run for no reason is is not really that productive. Um, but when you're conditioning, you, it has to come with a training focus. And and I know you really stress that. Um, but you know, kind of explain maybe a couple short little tips for people to do some you know small intro conditioning things, but in a training regimen. Well, of course, I've already mentioned swimming. You can do, uh, let's, let's take a couple of adventure dog situations. Uh, we have a, a certification program for adventure dog where a dog become trail rated, adventure dog certified, a, a master trucker. Deke, the DU mascot, is a master trucker. I do things all season with him. Uh, I teach him to hunt sheds. He's a good little shed hunter. That's a real close in early morning activity for this time of year. He can go out and find sheds along fence lines. He thinks that's really that's grand. Uh, swimming by the kayak, swimming, getting in and out of the kayak and going kayaking. That's not, that's going to duplicate a poke boat or a lay down blind, uh, being still in the kayak. Swimming by a canoe, going out and just swimming at a distance. Those are all good activities that you can do running, jogging. Just have to be very careful about the heat and the high impact. Uh, mountain biking, take a bike on the trail. All these kinds of things are mentally engaging for the dog and you're burning energy. Uh, you're, you're keeping the body conditioning going and you don't have to go out and just throw bumpers. It's, there's a lot of things they can do. Another thing we found out that I think of people that really ignore is the dog. If you, if the dog is concentrating and having to work his mind and sitting there, for instance, being still and steady as another dog works and then it's his turn to work or has to pick multiple bumpers in certain orders, like the oldest bird to the newest bird or the longest bird to the shortest bird, he's actually burning energy. Think about if you're taking a test, a really difficult test, you go in and you sit down and two hours later, you come out of that test exhausted. What have you done? Well, mental. But that dog is burning energy here through mental conditioning. It's not, it's certainly not working his muscle, but he's working his mind. And you can exhaust that dog through just in thinking and problem solving. It doesn't have to be high impact running all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. That's some great tips and some, you know, we, I like to kind of refer to that as almost like a, a reset button for retrievers, all these uh, different training drills that you've mentioned and, and kind of a refocus on, you know, the post duck season 
um, errors that your dog may have picked up. But, um, hey, Mike, I really appreciate it. This is, this has been a learning experience for me. And I think, uh, you know, all of our listeners out there, you know, they can visit uklabs.com or ducks.org and really dig into some of these different, uh, training sessions that, that you've created. You know, you've kind of laid the groundwork for a lot of these, um, you know, trainers to, to look at and say, oh yeah, I'm going to try this drill. Um, like you mentioned the baseball drill and, and hunt stop. And, you know, there's tons of drills out there for, for, uh, all of our listeners to go ahead and check out but i appreciate you joining me on the show and we'll have to have you back on here very soon thanks really enjoyed it i'd like to thank my guest mike stewart owner and operator of wild rose kennels for coming on today and giving people a little intro into kind of a reset button for retrievers this spring i'd like to thank clay baird our producer for putting the show together and getting it out to you and i'd like to thank you the listener for joining us on the du podcast and supporting wetlands conservation Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks.